So Isaac, the great historian, the great person in history, sets up the way that he will bless his firstborn son, but he doesn't know that. Boy, this is an interesting story today from Genesis chapter 27. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And as we study this, we're going to do that in about three minutes. We're going to look at this carefully and understand, try to understand what the Holy Spirit is telling us today. So very, very good. Corey is also here. Corey. Today, I'm going to be talking about the biblical concept of covenants and the ancient Near Eastern concept of covenants. Ryan? Today, UFO researcher Gary Bates joins me to talk about this unusual phenomenon. Yeah, Gary is an excellent, excellent guy, just a wonderful guy. I'm looking forward to that. Janice? Jacob's chances. All right, very good. All of this and more coming your way in the next half hour. They're coming up in about 15 minutes. Janice in about 17. Let's study. Open the Bible. Genesis 27, 1 through 13. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, that he called Esau his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold now, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And make me a savory food such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock, and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then... You shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Look, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am smooth-skinned. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, and I shall bring a curse on myself, and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, get them for me. Genesis chapter 27, verses 1 through 13. When we come into the scripture like this, and we're into chapter 27 now of Genesis, we're learning much about what God did and how God worked. And I think we need to pay attention to that. Because in Genesis 26, 27, and 28, Jacob and Esau are fighting. Jacob and Esau, although twin brothers, were very different from one another. While in their mother's womb, Rebecca asked God why she felt such a struggle in her womb. And do you know God answered her? He said, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. 
One people shall be stronger than the other. The other shall serve the younger. Despite this, Isaac continued to favor Esau, but Rebekah favored her son, Jacob. It was God's own words that inspired Rebekah to help Jacob receive the blessing of Isaac. Rebekah was the one who orchestrated the way in which Jacob would trick his own father and gain the blessing that Isaac had prepared for his son, Esau. When Jacob hesitated, Rebekah said, let your curse be on me, my son. Very interesting. A mother's curse. Wow. So take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we begin to study it. And let me just say that if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? You can call us or write to us and we'll send you a sample Bible guide or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go there, click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a place where you can make a donation. Let me say thank you for your donations. Very, very important. They really, in, in the last two months, they've been very, very good and very important for us to continue on here as we go through the Bible this year. And uh, also, may I say that takes you to a place where you can download it exactly how we've printed it. So you can have a copy on your computer for that. That's very important for overseas in Pakistan or very important in Africa or very important in other parts of Europe. So make sure you get a hold of yours and we study the Bible together. Father, help us today as we learn about this covenant that was instituted and broken. Help us to learn about Jacob as we begin this journey to study about your people and the sons are there as the tribes of Israel in Jesus name. And we said together, amen. All right, Genesis 27. Now let's focus on the first verse. It says, now it came to pass when Isaac was old, this is important, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, now this is important, my son. And he answered him, here I am. And then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And make me savory food, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may be blessed before I die. Now, this is important because Isaac sets up the way that he will bless his firstborn son, so he thinks. Sometimes we have our own plans. Then there are God's plans for us. <laughs> we should live to follow him first in our lives. Let me tell you something. I, I have plans all the time and I always say, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. It took me about the first 50 years of my life to figure out that I should say, well, this is, if it's the will of God, we'll do this. If it's the will of God, we'll do that. Because God has things in my life that he's shown me that I think that are wrong. There are many things that God has destined me to do. Many places God has destined me to go. Many people God has destined me to meet, talk with that I didn't do on my own, but I had to be forced into it. And many times and all the time, I am so glad that God does that because he cares about us, beloved. We need to focus on that. God cares about us and keeps us close. He's destined each of us to fulfill his perfect will. That's important. 
Okay, let's go on and back to the scripture and learn this because this is very, very interesting. It says, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother. Say, bring me game and make savory food for me that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me or bring me from there two choice kids of goats. And I will make savory food for them for your father as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. Wow, that's interesting. You see, Rebecca, Isaac's wife, extracts God's prophecy or exacts God's prophecy. God knows everything that will happen. We should stay close to his word. The thing that I need to say here, I really believe, is that we need to stay close to God's word because it seems as if Rebecca is cheating the whole system here and breaking all the cultural laws. Nevertheless, God still uses it. God can still use, even if wrong has happened to us, even if there's wrong things taking place, God can still use it. Beloved, we need to pay attention to that. So let's keep that in mind. Now, with that in mind, let's go back to the scripture and learn more. Chapter 27, verse 11 says this. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am smooth skinned. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. And I shall bring a curse on myself, not a blessing. But his mother said to him, this is important. Listen carefully. Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. Well, she was dedicated, wasn't she? Although it was Rebekah's scheme to steal Isaac's blessing, it was Esau who handed Jacob his birthright. It's a pattern here. We may try to manipulate for ourselves our own gain, but only God grants true and eternal blessings. Only God grants true and eternal blessings. Now keep this in mind. We can try to gain all that we can, but if God has destined us to be really great in this area. And if we don't go into that area, we can still serve God, but we'll be on plan B over here. But God has plan A. We need to go with what God says because the most important thing is that we do what God has called us to do. Part of our eternal purpose, beloved, we need to make sure that we understand God has an eternal purpose for each of us. So Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would help us understand what you've called us to do, each of us to do. Because, Father, we need to get with that plan. I mean, there's a lot of ideas going around, a lot of creative thought. But we need to go with the divine creative thought, which is different. And I praise your name and I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we ask and we said all of this together, all of us did. We said, amen, or make it so. Make it so, Lord, in my life. Amen. Now, from a biblical perspective, why do you think God made humans and apes look similar? 
Well, the same thing, same reason I think that there are similarities right through all living things, and that is we see a continuum, if you like, which speaks to us of one creator. If we're entirely different, every living, other living thing on earth, we have entirely different chemistry, entirely different everything, then we might think there's different creators. You know, you really can't have a really good rounded understanding of the Old Testament or the New Testament without expanding your understanding of covenants because they, it, it's not quite an agreement or a deal or a contract in the modern sense of the word. It is more than that. It has to do with how their society was structured. So let's jump in and take a look at ancient covenants and what they meant and what that means for us. The concept of the ancient Near Eastern Covenant is extremely important for readers of the Bible to understand. The whole salvation story of the Bible is presented to us in the form of covenants. Even the Bible itself is called in the Christian world the Old and New Testaments, meaning the Old and New Covenants. Now, on its surface, a covenant is very similar to a contract, an agreed-upon set of rules between two parties for their mutual benefit, a contract. However, what's not immediately obvious to modern readers is just how covenants worked. In the patriarchal society of the ancient Near East that Abraham and Israel were a part of, society completely revolved around family units, and the authority and responsibility for maintaining order and survival was the patriarch, the oldest male member of a family unit. Family was responsible for family. So then what about when you needed for one reason or the other to team up with another family that socially had no reason to protect or care for you? You could strike a covenant, a type of contract that would make you like family, at least legally. As I already mentioned, we see covenants all over the Bible. They could happen on an individual level, a tribal level, or a national level. Covenants could be parity treaties, meaning a covenant between equals. That would make the two parties like legal brothers. Covenants could also be suzerain vassal treaties, which is a covenant between non-equals. There's a powerful and a less powerful party. This would create a legal relationship of father-son or master-servant. A suzerain vassal treaty often happened in the context of an invading king. The king or leader who had conquered a people's territory would lay out everyone's rights and responsibilities, the way life would now operate. As a suzerain, he now owned the land and the people. They could live their lives, but now owed loyalty and yearly tribute to him. As a result, the suzerain would allow the people to remain, to live on the land, and he would owe them protection. If the people rebelled against the suzerain by not following the stipulations of the covenant or by withholding tribute, they would lose their right to the land. Now, at a covenant ceremony, animals would be sacrificed for a few reasons. It marked the occasion as special or set apart. It involved the godly authorities in the process. And the sacrificial animals often served as a meal. The animals showed the parties what would happen to them if they were to rebel against the covenant. They would become, like the sacrificial animals, dead. A biblical example surfaces in Genesis 15, when God was cutting a covenant with Abram. God had already made covenant promises of offspring to Abram, and for Abram's allegiance to God, he also offered land. He would give Canaan to Abram's descendants. 
But by Genesis 15, Abram had been waiting a long time for this promised son, and he seems to have been struggling. He asks, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? God creates a covenant ceremony, something that Abraham would have been familiar with. God instructs Abram to get the sacrificed animals, which he does, and he sacrifices, cuts in half, and arranges. When God shows up, though, and outlines the stipulations of their covenant, it's God, the suzerain, who passes through the sacrificial animals, not Abram, the lesser party. In this amazing twist of expectation, God promises Abram that it is he who will pay with his divine life if the covenant is broken. Amazingly, the Bible does portray the descendants of Abram breaking the covenant. And what happens? God comes to earth as Christ, and he offers his life to make a new covenant. His body was broken for us. One of the things that I can't escape whenever I look at ancient covenants and how God deals with covenants, especially here in Genesis, is just how willing God was to go the extra mile to let people know that he cares, that he wants to have a relationship, that he is willing to make a way for us to be restored to himself, to be redeemed to him so that we can be who we were created to be, which is in relationship with him. It's really an amazing thing when you sit with the, that concept, the concept of a covenant and how God fulfilled it. Even when, you know, if, if it was a human covenant, we would expect the lesser party or, or the party who owes to fulfill that covenant uh, or fulfill a broken covenant. But it is God who takes the responsibility on to redeem us to himself. It's an amazing thing. I love sitting with it and, and pondering it as we go through Genesis. Yeah, it really is interesting, especially in today's world. Very good, Corey, right? All right, well, today is part of my month-long promotion of this new product called A World by Design 3. I'm gonna be sharing another clip from it. And A World by Design is an ongoing series in which I interview some of the top scientists and researchers in the world. And today I sit down with UFO researcher and best-selling author, Gary Bates. Now, Gary has been researching the UFO phenomenon for more than 25 years now, and he wrote a book called Alien Intrusion, UFOs and the Evolution Connection, and also produced a video documentary based on that book called Alien Intrusion, Unmasking a Deception. And I wanted to know from Gary, first of all, what got him interested in this whole phenomenon? Here's Gary. One of the things you've been researching for the last about 25 years is this whole <laughs> UFO uh, yeah. extraterrestrial phenomenon. You even wrote a best-selling book called Alien Intrusion, and now it's even become a feature film, which you've yeah. uh, written, produced, and directed. Yeah. So. Um, what got you interested, first of all, in this whole phenomenon? Uh, science fiction. I mean, science fiction is the number one most popular entertainment genre today. You can only think of the Star Wars movies and Star Trek, which has spawned new, you know, numerous series over the years. <clears throat> About 90% of the highest grossing movies of all time are science fiction. Wow. And once I started working with the ministry, uh, I, I'd mentioned to my colleagues, do you, do you understand that science fiction has an evolutionary angle to it? Because when you see those weird and wonderfully different shaped aliens on different planets, the, it's an evolutionary concept because evolution took a different turn in their planet's history. That's why they don't look mm -hmm. like us, you see? Mm -hmm. And um, so I said, well, you know, we could use science fiction, those kind of themes, 
to lead people to creation and therefore the gospel ultimately to Jesus Christ. Uh, but when I started researching it and going off to UFO conferences, um, I, I had absolutely no idea what I was going to encounter. Uh, you know, my first UFO conference I went to in Brisbane, I was sitting at the back listening to all the speakers and evolution was there, you know, in a big bang universe 14 billion years ago. You know, our Milky Way is in a relatively young part of the universe, so there could be alien races that might be a million years more evolved on the evolutionary scale than us. Therefore, you know, a million years more advanced in their technology. That's how come they can build these hyperdrive spaceships and stealthily abduct people in the middle of the night. And then during the conference, some guy sitting down the front goes into like a trance-like state and claims he's channeling a message from an alien being. And I'm sitting there as a you know, born again Christian, it was, I have to say, it was spooky. I don't even think he was faking it. I still don't know what was going on to this day, but very, very unsettling. And so right there at the beginning, I realized there was a much deeper and sinister aspect to the idea of aliens on other worlds and, uh, and things that people see in the sky, uh, which, you know, your, your viewers will be surprised. I mean, mm -hmm. a poll in 1998 called the Roper Poll claimed that 4 million Americans had been abducted by aliens. And most people laugh about that, but I can tell you, I've met hundreds of these people firsthand and something is happening to them, right? Hmm. It's not aliens, but something they've had an experience. And even more people, including Christians, they see things in the sky, lights, moving around that they, they've had no explanation for or can't explain. Now, the majority of them can be explained, but there's always a small percentage that defy this naturalistic explanation. And of course, here we are in 2023, where the US government finally, after all these years, and we've all known about it, people who research it, are starting to reveal that they've been seeing things and they've got records of it, and they're now having open investigations as to what's going on. So this has kind of reached its uh, its peak. You know, I've been doing it for 25 years, and now it's become more relevant than ever. So Gary will be back with us tomorrow to talk to us a little bit more about this UFO phenomenon. But in the meantime, I really want to encourage you to pick up his book, Alien Intrusion, UFOs and the Evolution Connection and the video documentary as well called Alien Intrusion, Unmasking a Deception, which are both available at creation.com. Yeah, I, I just need to tell you that I read the book. It is awesome, excellent. Uh, and I, I haven't seen the video yet, but I'm going to watch the video because I got the, I bought the video. Yeah, the video so. is very good. I've, I've seen both. I've seen the video and I've read the book. So, wow. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. Thank you, Ryan. Janice. Well, today we're looking at uh, Genesis chapter 27, and uh, I called this Jacob's chances because he had a lot of chances. And what am I talking about? Well, you know this this uh, account of um, uh, of Esau and his father Isaac. Isaac wants to bless him. He's the firstborn. The mother Rebecca overhears the discussion that uh, they have, and she comes in with a plan of her own. And she wants her son, Jacob, to get the blessing. So she comes up with this scheme. And I think it's so interesting, isn't it? That Jacob's first response isn't, well, that's not right, mom. Like mother, this is not the right response. I'm not the firstborn and the firstborn should be blessed first. He doesn't even ask that question. What he's concerned about is what if I get caught? What if I'm known then as a deceiver? 
Isn't that interesting? And a lot of times, that's what we worry about. We try to, to do things and we're just worried about getting caught. Now, let's see what happens here because Jacob has chances even after that to come clean, but he doesn't. Isaac asks three questions of Jacob when he comes back. Now, remember, Esau is off doing what his father had asked him to do. He's out hunting game and he's got to cook it and bring it back. Takes a long time. But now enter Jacob with the scheme that his mother has come up with. And first of all, Isaac is a little bit he, he, he's, he's a little bit curious as to why he's getting there so early. First question he asks him is, who are you, my son? You see that in verse 18. Jacob answers, I'm Esau, your firstborn, first lie. First question, uh, you can come clean. Nope, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Second question in verse 20, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? He's wondering, wow, how did you get out there, uh, get the game, get it cooked and have all this time? How, how did you do that? So second question, and Jacob answers, because the Lord your God brought it to me. Second lie, second chance to come clean. And third, in verse 24, then he asks again, are you really my son Esau? Very direct question. And he answered, I am. When we're confronted with the truth of God, let's come clean. Let's not try to hide. Let's, as we're reading through God's word, especially, you know, let Christ rule in our heart, mind, and soul. When we come into things, when we're questioned, when we feel that conviction in our lives, let's not run away from it. Let's not make the lie grow and grow and grow. There were several chances that Jacob had here, and we need to do the right thing in those moments, whether it's hard or not. And a lot of times it's really hard. I can point to circumstances in my own life where I was much like Jacob in, in circumstances, but let's choose the right way. Let's come clean with God. Let's not try to hide. Well, the Beyond the Call program is a great program. I interview people about when they came to know Jesus Christ, when his name became more than just a word to them. It is a great program and they are available wherever you get your podcast, wherever you get your Bible Discovery TV podcast, look for Beyond the Call and uh, get a hold of that. I encourage you to do so. Today we pray, Lord, I praise you for all that you are, all that you have done and all that you're going to do in the name of Jesus Christ. This is what we say, amen.